Hey everybody and welcome back to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on the deep dive of everything happening in the food, wine, and hospitality scene, especially in the DC market, especially on today's show. So, me, lucky me, here I am at the gorgeous wine lair, this fabulous wine club in the heart of DC, right next door to the Ritz-Carlton. If you have not had an opportunity to come here, I highly recommend it, but you can't just walk in need a secret code, which means you need to reach out to me so I can help you out. Um, but it is beautiful, great place for lunches and dinners, private events, and they have an amazing wine cellar, which my two guests just saw today, where people are keeping not just their wines, but also their spirits too. So definitely come and check it out. If you're new here, thanks so much for joining me. A bit about me. I've been covering the DC food and wine scene for the last 20 years. You read the list, areyouwanted.com, the online e-zine that tells you everything that's happening in the DC metro area, openings, promotions, and every food and wine event, including all those glitzy galas, which are coming up this summer. Uh, you listen to me and my husband, David, every Sunday at 11 a.m. on 1500. Foodie and the Beast, almost 15 years old. Um, so don't miss anything like of that because it is DC's only food and wine variety show. Of course, you follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and now YouTube. You should totally be subscribing because not only am I out and about in the DC metro area, but I'm doing a lot of amazing travels and you definitely want to stay tuned because I'm going to the James Beard Award in two weeks. And not only am I in attendance of all the fabulous parties and events, but I am also so one of the hosts on the red carpet. So I will be interviewing all the famous people and all the fabulous wares and finding out what they're up to. So definitely stay tuned for that kind of content. Okay, so as I do on every show, I tell you about where I've been eating and your girl likes to eat a lot and drink a little bit. So uh, let's see. Frankly, pizza is in Kensington, Maryland. It's around the corner from my house. I go there way more than I should. But the other night, we had to do some entertaining last minute, which I was not prepared for. We just called the team there, and they brought over all the goods. They do Neapolitan pizza, so it's definitely soupy in the middle. But the products they use are so pristine, and the pizza holds so beautifully. They also do gorgeous salads and... Um, really beautiful tiramisu. I'm so fortunate to have that within walking distance of my house. Uh, I got a special invite from the ambassador of Georgia, not the state, the country, for a Georgian wine tasting at the Library of Congress. I was just, you know, hobnobbing with those ambassadors, drinking fabulous Georgian wines. And if you're not familiar with the wines, you should really check them out. Um, I personally cannot pronounce any of the names, so I'm not going to I'm not going to take anybody down that road, but um, their sparklings are beautiful and uh, their rosés are um, really comparable to some of the best of Provence. Um, so if you haven't had an opportunity, check that out. I was delighted to be there. I had dinner at La Colina up on Capitol Hill. You may not be familiar with it because it's on the back end of the Duck and the Peach. So Hollis Silverman owns three restaurants, one attached to each other, Duck and the Peach, her cocktail bar, The Wells, and then then uh, La Colina, her little Osteria. It's such a darling little neighborhood joint. I'm sorry it's not in my neighborhood, but we were delighted to go there. And then lastly, I finally made it out to Mosaic. I don't cross the river as much as I should to check out what Rose Previtt is doing at Kirby Club, her new place. You know Rose, she um, has made down here in D.C. She is a Michelin-starred restaurant owner, and Kirby Club really is doing incredible things. All the mezzas, they're so yummy and delicious. Um, they do this spicy green hummus, which I've never had before, um, and it's really delicious. I don't love the pita, 
because I like mine puffy and light, but it is perfect to uh, swap up all that yummy hummus. Um, but they're doing shish kebabs and they are incredible. So we got one, it's like shish kebabs for the table. So it's one of everything. And then these massive ribs, they look like Fred Flintstone stuff. Um, so much fun. Um, there's no pictures of me tearing into that, uh, which is unfortunate for you because it's kind of funny. Um, so let's see. Oh, other than that, just only go to Kirby Club with people you love because um, everybody smells of garlic afterwards, uh, but definitely worth the trip. Check it out. Okay, so enough about me. Now on to today's shows. Um, well, a little bit more about me because I'm going to talk about how I met both of them. So I met the Wilder brothers, Ari and Ari and Micah, um, a really long time ago. And I think I met you first. I think I met Ari uh, back when you were at Zola. Yeah. Possibly. Um, like I was just getting back into the business. I was just starting in my business. Um, remember Zola? So was I. God, I love Zola. I Zola was so, so much great. fun. Um, right next to the Spy Museum. Anyway, it's not there anymore. Um, but you two, as I digress, uh, you two in the early aughts, you were part of this cocktail renaissance that was happening, not just here in DC, but it was national, right? There was this huge wave of interest in making cocktails better, understanding the history of cocktails, creating products that made the cocktails taste better and were better for you, um, a real interest in integrity. Um, so you made your names, thanks to that commitment, to both products, found an old product of theirs, um, that they were developing, but also the projects you were doing around the city. So you were consulting with a bunch of people, like the Jeff Blacks of this world. Um, you've come on Foodie and the Beast thousands of times. Um, later in the show, we'll talk about the one time you came on Foodie and the Beast that you do not remember at all, <laughs> because you don't remember. I'm sure of it. Um, and now you guys are behind Chaplins, you're behind Zeppelins, but you also have your own projects that you're working on. Um, you're working with the team behind Love Mikado, uh, which I love and I talked about last week. You are behind the new Little Gem Capo, which I also love mm -hmm. and I talked about last week. Um, and I feel like I knew you guys when you were babies and now you both have babies. And um, I'm just so excited to talk to you about both of your histories, um, sort of your trajectories and what's on the horizon. So, hi. How you doing? That's I cannot believe you have that box. I know. Yeah, so crazy. Back just the label and design. It's back still beautiful. Look how great it looks. It's fabulous. I was like peddling stuff out of our kitchen. So we were like little, we were like cocktail gypsies. That, right. yeah. <laughs> well, so let's kind of start there, Micah. You're the older of the two. Mm -hmm. So let's start with you. How did you wind up in the cocktail biz? Because you were out west, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. I um, I went back, like we were back and forth, San Francisco and D.C. our whole life. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to uh, to art school in San Francisco and Ari stayed here uh, to go to Maryland for mm -hmm. econ. And, um, and so, yeah, I was out there and just kind of uh, studying visual effects and graphic design as like uh, the cocktail scene was kind of, you know, just starting, like you had said, like this new kind of like interest in like, you know, uh, this renaissance, like, you know, like going back to the roots of like Savoy and like all these cocktail books that had been kind of like 
collecting dust um, in the dark ages of like the but, 80s. And but 90s. don't you think like in the 80s, I think of the 80s yeah. specifically, like it wasn't about producing a good cocktail. It was about speed. It was about how fast can I get that cocktail to the person at the bar because I want to make the next cocktail. It was more about volume than it was about the craft. It was also about like, you know, the experience, which is what it's always been about, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was about like, you know, those people, like you had to have a reputation to like work at some of these bars and you had to have style and had to have like connections and a name to like even get a job at like the cooler places, Mm -hmm. you know? And that was kind of like, it was just more of like being part of the scene um, and less about like the quality of the cocktails, like you're saying, like, right. So obviously, because I was a part of the scene, I was yeah. just on the other side of the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But obviously, to appeal to any owner, you better be capable of volume, right? I right. Mean, really, yeah. from an owner's perspective. Okay, okay, but so then, when did that shift for you? When were you like? When did you drink a cocktail and you're like, oh my god, this actually tastes good? I'm not just drinking it for the buzz it's going to give me. I'm drinking it because it's tasty. Like, who inspired you? I would say uh, it was around the time like Bourbon and Branch opened in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend Naya White was like uh, like opened open the bar program there, and um, and we would just hang out with him at the bar. There's like this Tommy gun you had to go through the library door, and we just sit at his bar, and he'd make us like tons of uh, he called them derbies back then, but like. Um, I went on, we still have that drink on the menu at Chaplin's. We call it a tramp. Mm-hmm. And it's really simple. It's just kind of like a, basically like a Monte Carlo with bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but, okay. but you say that like everybody knows what a Monte Carlo yeah, is. Yeah. So, Monte Carlo? so generally, yeah. Like, uh, they, so it's like just, uh, the tramp is just bourbon, Peshaw's, uh, Peshaw's bitters and, uh, Benedictine. Okay. With like, you know, some orange oil or sometimes people like to burn the orange in the nose. It's Uh really nice if you do it properly. Um, But then he was like, you know, building juleps properly, like letting the mint like sit in the, like he'd have them all lined up. And there was just like this kind of like uh, this just uh, he was just kind of like really, really just in love with what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. And were you with him at this time? I mean, I used to like I Mike introduced me to cocktails. They certainly weren't really prevalent in D.C., Mm -hmm. like not classics and not like at craft. And I used to go out to San Francisco a lot and we used to snowboard in Tahoe together. And he would usually. Starting, he started getting me into bartending, and he, I would like guest bartend with him at places so we could pay for the trip afterwards. And he would take me to uh, all yeah, these like awesome do, places. Like, he used to work at the Phoenix Hotel with me for, yeah, like, for like the, the wet parties, parties at yeah. the Rock and Roll Hotel, like mm-hmm. in, uh, that I worked at for like seven years. And that was like originally like Chip Connolly's okay. like first hotel before wow. he like started, you know, his whole, uh, his whole, uh, like boutique hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so everything's starting to change, right? Yeah, the like we look just, of luxury is changing. Yeah. That's all changing. Well, I would come back to, I would go to trips in San Francisco and I would come back from San Francisco and just be like, you know, San Francisco, like the bar scene there compared to what the scene was here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was right. like polar opposites, right? Mm-hmm. Like there were, there weren't like 
people in suits, you know, drinking lemon drop martinis and like blob and coffee. Yeah. Hey, hey, I understand those are coming back in. But yeah, go ahead. Everything's coming back <laughs> in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I would come back just like inspired, right? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I didn't, still didn't know much about it. And I was just starting to bartend and, you know, I was like learning what people were teaching me. But every time I got, went to San Francisco to see Micah and like hang out with all of his friends that were all in the industry, like everywhere you went, it was like this celebrity kind of like notoriety for all of them in that city mm-hmm. where like, you know, pe- they were getting into places that like celebrities weren't getting into because they knew everyone there. And right. it was just like a scene to me that I was getting exposed to that was so inspiring and like fun and exciting that. Right, but, but to me, you're both young at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, not that you're not young now, but you know what I mean? Like no, you're I'm young, not. you're partiers, <laughs> like okay. you're out, you're bartenders, you're drinking. I mean, to me, you're partying, right? So this is part of the party. So at what point do you realize, hey, not only can I party as my profession, but I can serve something really solid. Like where was that shift for you? I mean, we grew up as like vegetarians and like where our mother like you know like taught us a lot about just like basic like making your own medicines ingredients like Mm -hmm. so like a lot of that kind of like between that and like the creative process and just like the like the artsy you know aspect of like just who we were Mm -hmm. we just and just how socially like involved we were and how we thrived on that like social energy it just kind of made perfect sense for us. Like, so yeah. how did you come back here and sell yourselves? Like, did you come back as a duo and you were like, hey, we have something to offer that's different than what you're doing? The like, convers- let's look like Zola. Like, is that yeah. what you both were? The conversation was like, originally, we were like, are we going to open in San Francisco yeah. or are we going to open in Washington, D.C.? Right. Okay. That was like, and, I, you know, I obviously wanted to move there. And Micah wanted to stay there, but we felt like we had, like our parents were here and we had resources here that we felt that maybe would help us, you know, help propel us opening our own cocktail consulting company where we would make our own mixers and bitters, et cetera, and work on like, you know, doing beverage programs for people. And, but at the same time, we had to get, I, first of all, I had to convince Micah to move from San Francisco, but right. I, I, which was like a very, a very long, like drawn out Life was, that's why I mean, people live there like, you know, forever and they never like change what they're doing for like right. 20 decades. They do the same thing because this lifestyle, the quality of living in that demographic yeah. is so awesome. Right. right. You know? Yes. So. But you did come back here. I did. And I was excited to kind of like, you know, D.C. wasn't where San Francisco was, obviously, at that time. So well, there was more opportunity here. Yeah, also. well, don't you feel like not only was there more opportunity, because probably when you guys were starting, you know, Todd Thrasher had already opened up PX. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we had the first, like, sprinkling of speakeasies. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, it's all starting. Yeah. But also, I find with D.C., and I speak to this from my own personal experience, like, I didn't think I was ever going to stay in D.C. I always assumed yeah, I'd be back in New York neither. City. But I I would be one of thousands in New York with mm-hmm. what I do. Mm-hmm. Here I'm one of a couple. So, you right. know, it is a smaller pond yeah. and you can be a bigger fish. It's yeah. so much more. It's so much more exciting to pioneer something. Right. Than to be in that huge pool with people that are doing 
so many different things that you kind of, you definitely get lost right. in that for sure. So. so when you started your business together, what did that look like? I mean, I remember it, but I, you know, when I think back to like press releases that came out on you both, you know, nobody were like, they didn't use the term consultants. No. They made like you were, we were there, bartenders. like you were bartenders, yeah. but you were bartending. I was like, how many places can these guys be oh, at? You were bartending gosh. everywhere, right? Yeah. So how did you market yourself? How did you... How did you start that? Yeah, I think that like the key for us was to like create a brand uh, where, you know, like if as a consultant, right, like you, you go into a lot of these places, you, you create a really awesome program, you train the staff Mm -hmm. and you dial it in and then your, your, your time's up and you roll. And usually it takes a couple months for the program to completely fall apart, but like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then they'll keep your name on it for another year or two right. until they're beating right. a dead horse in the ground. And all the while, all these people are going by tasting your cocktails, which aren't even really being executed properly. So, But how did you, I guess what I want to know is how like did what's, you, like what, how'd you what sell started? the concept? Well, no, but like, think about it. Like, <clears throat> Listen, if you worked at Zolo, you worked with Dan Meshes and Rob Rosenberg, right? Yeah. And those are guys who really understood what was happening. They had their yeah. finger on the pulse of what was changing in the DC market. They Maybe they didn't hit the ball over the fence with Potenza, but Zola really was changing a lot yeah. of things, how people ate, how people dined, right. and what was happening behind the bar. So I could see you saying to them, like, this is the kind of cocktail program you should have. So the how, so Rob what had a history in San Francisco, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was, yes, so Rob, I was learning, Rob was like a mentor to me for the beverage and wine side, cocktail side. And while I was learning and, and working at Zola, because I opened Zola and worked there pretty much until we did the beverage program and closed it pretty mm-hmm. much like almost nine years or whatever. But during that period, Micah was still in San Francisco doing a ton of places there and, and developing and evolving in San Francisco. And then we were like starting to conjure up this idea with a lot of people's, you know, a lot of people, people's input encouraging us to kind of, you guys should do something together because we are like best friends and we did everything together anyway, mm-hmm. but we were on opposite sides of the coast. And, you know, eventually it, it just kind of worked out that Micah was like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, why don't, you know, my parents really wanted Micah to move back so they, he could be close to them too. Mm-hmm. And he like eventually kind of like dragged him back from San Francisco to here and then started he started bartending with me at different places and we you know as we were working together at different places we were starting to hatch this plan of like you know starting to make these mixers whatever that mostly were inspired by micah and like you know his ideas and then i think i was sort of a glorified bar back at that point but like you know we were doing stuff like we were living together so we were making things in our kitchen and saucepans and whatever and we were also commercial licensing yeah we were learning from all these chefs inspired by but you you couldn't like you couldn't like google like how to make a tonic right Right, that wasn't there. It was like trial and error. We still don't know what a gum syrup is, but go ahead. But that's kind of how, I mean, it was really literally hatched, like, in our, like, tiny little apartment kitchen, which is actually partially now one of them was across from it where was Zeppelin literally was right across from right across the street on like early pioneers we were there long shop. before well chaplains was still a used car lot okay zeppelin was pretty much falling and down right and, and that guy that 
that had opened Shah Bijou with right. Bame, uh the Kelly. the salon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kelly, right? Yeah. Yes. He was living there with his, you know, not so nice dog. Yeah. And he was rebuilding <laughs> and he was rebuilding the, the building. And Mike and I were watching all of it. We were like, first of all, the corner where Chaplin's was, we were like, that would be such an awesome corner. Mm-hmm. Like we love this area. And then we were looking at Zeppelin. We were like, wow, like that place looks more like a bar than a house. Like we should, I wish we could have that one day, blah, blah. And like, you know, fast forward, 10 plus years later, Chaplin's and then Zeppelin. And that was completely organic. I but mean, Yeah, but I mean, we did skip through like, you know, a lot of these chefs like Jeff Black, Robert Wiedemeyer, like those guys like really kind of helped the OGs. us. Yeah, like yeah. helped us come up and really kind of saw something unique in us. And like, and we learned a lot from them as yeah. well, like on all those but projects. That's kind of my question. So let's use Robert Wiedemeyer and Jeff Black, both really savvy businessmen when mm-hmm. it comes to running their restaurants mm-hmm. um, with two very different kinds of kinds Concepts. of restaurants, you know, yeah, con- yeah. On concepts. But was it a heavy lift to sell them what it was going to take to raise their cocktails? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. they didn't value the wine. Yeah, because there wasn't some wine. You know what I mean? Right? Like, we they value wine. The they ingredients, wine. like the yes. ingredients were That's expensive. I mean. The things we wanted to work with were expensive. We still didn't really have any idea about the cost. We weren't like, of we, cost yeah, we were versus coming profit from the creative and, and the innovative and right. not like, we hadn't like, you know, grown up enough to really fully understand like the full spectrum. Like the of you, right. you know? Not even close. Okay. And, and also like, the heavy lifting that went into like that bottle, for example, the way that we were making things back then, you know, we were buying tree sap and grinding it down in like little stone bowls instead of buying the powder to make the gum. So if you were watching on YouTube, you can see I have one of their original products that they gave me. It's 15 years old. It's called Wilder Brothers Crab Black Birch Gum, G-O-M-M-E. Yeah. And what was the significance of making a gum? Well, you were just like, let's just do it. It was like started off with a Pisco punch, which Mm -hmm. is like an original San Francisco cocktail. Like, and the gum syrup is like a lost ingredient. Uh, pineapple gum is like a, like really, uh, just adds like kind of a silky viscosity Mm. to the drink. Um, it's a subtle, it's a subtle but you would use very little of this yeah. right like it's just like an like essence literally like a quarter of an ounce mm-hmm. but like getting people but like working with programs and getting people like you know in like for Robert Wiedemeyer we went out to the Rebel Resort and like to Atlantic City or whatever and we were doing uh, oh my god I remember when that out opened uh, yeah. I know that, that was, was insane Ari and I used to like yeah we worked all day and then spent our nights at the showboat like yeah. drinking martinis yeah. watching shady watching people with cigarettes like, and ashes strange. this long and I'm yeah, like <laughs> pulling the um, but machine, that but was a long yeah Atlantic City that rebel never really uh, took so, off, well because uh, oh, yeah. 2008 yeah. we had the recession the, the, the it tanked yeah, everything really but it was yeah. a really cool project and what we learned from that and also and really any other projects that we were starting to work on was that you know doing these cocktails the way we wanted to do them requiring mm-hmm. these ingredients that were kind of hard to find and like very hard to turn into what you know we wanted to use in our cocktails and such if leaving them to do it without us, it was pretty much like not, it was going to fail. Right? Okay. Like they, it was too much work and it was, 
asking people that aren't chefs to be chefs. And bartenders right? that had never measured a drink in their life right. to like right. start like before like measuring a drink was even like an industry standard, which obviously it is now, thank God. But like back then it was like No, it was actually arms. looked down upon. Yeah. It was like, like why people you thought like you were uh being chintzy. Them. Yeah, or chintzy. Right. Right. Well, okay, so you are at these restaurants now, you're executing your program. You you live in Shaw and you see the two spaces, right? Yeah. The Shaw Bijou space and the chaplain space. Mm-hmm. So how do you go from um we're spirits guys. We do cocktails to restaurant owners. Because a lot of falling just... down our face. Yeah, a okay, lot, of, a lot, lot of, of that. And like, yeah. but A like, lot of programs for other people. A lot of running other people's programs and, and not really asking for compensation because we are just still bartending and slinging our, some of our own drinks as well as making money for people that we worked for. And we are happy doing it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, also our parents kind of being like, you know, What's the next step? Like, are you guys, you know, are you guys going to do this forever? Which is fine. There wasn't really a lot of pressure, but like, or are you going to get serious and do something together and what's it going to be? And so, you know, over time, like that question keeps getting asked and asked and eventually you start. Did you find it insulting? Were you like, I have a job. I'm working. I mean, the consulting started to like like, make us realize that there was more to. It also taught us a lot. It taught us like. It taught us how um, undervalued beverage was in the equation of a restaurant (laughs) and how you could double your money if you really put as much emphasis on beverage as you did culinary. Then yeah. and that's kind of I know. like a Think win-win. about what cocktails cost today. Yeah. I know. I mean, it's crazy. You. I guess we should say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're still trying to thirty dollar cocktail underneath. Yeah. Like low. It's, good, it's, uh, it's getting yeah. harder and harder, but we're still. Okay, so trying. what was the vision? Let's walk through Chaplins and Zeppelins. What was the vision? And I know you guys are brothers and and best friends, but was it hard to execute a restaurant, a vision? together and it, it's more than a bar because there's food there you brought in a chef how did you guys come up with what you were looking to do there it's just a full of i full of challenges obviously like i mean we developed chaplains as like an open-ended concept um so that being said it was like based what on, does that mean open-ended like concept? so that we could have gone with any in any culinary direction it was mm-hmm. like frag it was like peace it was it was moving very fast mm-hmm. right like we you know, there was this place called Mandalay where Chaplin's is now. And, you know, one of our friends, Jordan, who works for a distributor, knew that, you know, Ong, the owner of Mandalay, was looking at potentially, you know, selling the space because he didn't want to do Mandalay there because it just wasn't the right time. And mm-hmm. he introduced us and we went over and checked out the space. And it was this beautiful three-level space with all this light and it was the actual looking. Brand new. It was new, but it had walls everywhere. And we were like, we saw a huge, I mean, this is where we wanted to be. Sean was, was where we lived. It was with a like, big patio. And, like, and we just kind of yeah. started rolling. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have any investors. We weren't planning on trying to find any. Yeah, and, like we had a whole like stack of concepts to match up to like the building the right? space like, like so, the right space yeah. and okay. this space felt like the, the like the theatrical kind of silent film concept that we were looking to do it had the vertical space where we could do project projections, projections black and whites yeah. and stuff like that and then our partner adrian that is you know the, our main partner was 
really loved ramen and he loved going to this place. And actually, I was going to say, at that time, there was no ramen in the city. No, not really. Where'd he go? He went to Ren's. We went to Ren's and Ryan Meat. And we, you know, and uh, interestingly enough, our. The chef was from Ren's? So yeah, Mia worked at Ren's. We, oh we it was his ramen. Partnership. I and, have no and then idea. our land our landlord Ung, who owned Mandalay, yeah. he's Burmese. Okay. And yeah. Mia's originally from Burma and Ung's wife went to school with Mia. With Mia. Yeah. In Burma. So he, we were met talking about doing ramen and we were Adrian kept saying how he really wanted to do this ramen place. Where could we do it? Where could we do it? And he was asking Ong and telling Ong his favorite place was out in Ren's Ramen. So we went there one day, saw a line down the block. Right, in between cash only. 7-Eleven and a gas station yeah. and a strip mall. Yeah. And we were like, in the, like the, on like a Tuesday, and we were like, we had the food, and we were like, this is incredible. When mm-hmm. can we meet him? And we sat down with him at the Mandalay and Silver Spring, Ong's like family restaurant. Right. At a big round table, had a bunch of awesome Mandalay. Um, like food from there and Burmese food and we told him that we wanted him to be our partner but that we had no interest in Americanizing any of his food Smart. and that he was in charge of the kitchen we were in charge of the front and like we would just collaborate together and we didn't even have to talk money as soon as he heard that it would be all him all his recipes all his ingredients the way he wanted it and then he had people to operate and serve his food it was Mm -hmm. like a union and that was kind of like the way we saw it like they to this day they're they're his family's recipes yeah and our family so it's kind of like our family in the front of the house with our recipes and Mm -hmm. his family in the back of the house and we translated you know because we built our restaurants around our bars right or our bars no our restaurants around our bars like our bars are the center of our but the food is usually like the inspiration for what we're doing yeah well that's what i was gonna ask because like to me when i think of chaplains i mean it's a party place Mm -hmm. you know it's a huge singles place like lots of people all my single friends go there it's the cheers of shop <laughs> that's what Jeff calls. Maybe like a younger version. But yeah, yeah, a younger, younger version. version. But like that's where all my single friends go. Like yeah. they go there, they hang out, and right? And then they come back after they've gotten married for and they do like and engagement they do engagement or no, they do like their anniversary. Anniversaries. Yeah, it's oh, amazing. Really nice. see, yeah. That is nice. It's very cool. Yeah, having like, a like, very oh, blast. Oh, honey, remember that, when I grew sure. up over there? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of nostalgia for sure for a lot of. So how does that evolve? The restaurant's been open for almost ten years. <laughs> yeah. How do you book? And so ten years ago when you opened, neither of you were married. Neither of you had kids. Right. So how does it evolve for you running that restaurant, keeping it fresh, well, we keeping it a part of this ramen. thing? Yeah, okay. a couple of years ago, which is going great for all of our children and uh-huh. all of our friends. Well, and like that, that neighborhood, like you know, also has just grown so much since like. When we were first opening, people thought we were kind of crazy. Like they were like, there was, nothing there. There was no Uber. Like you couldn't right. get. Tom, you got dropped off by a cab there. That cab was not picking you back. Yeah. yeah, like Tom. So you have to walk quarter or down the street, but that was it. Right, right, you know? right. Well, all those new buildings. I mean, what's Marriott was just sitting. City Market it out. Right, but like none of yeah, that whole area did we not were exist. Super lucky, but like that was well, City Market was pretty open. much like the residents. In those buildings, yeah, we supported our everything. business for yeah. two years until yeah. people started coming. We were very, very lucky. We mm-hmm. were very good relationships and met so many amazing people. 
that all took a chance to live there in those beautiful buildings, but also right. we were the only place for them to really yeah, go we're, when we're they directly came along. Our entrance, so. Yeah, I mean, we think about it. There wasn't really Uber lucky. Eats. Like there wasn't Nothing. a lot of ways to yeah. get your food. I mean, we met can. some of our regulars from across the street would live there for so long. We used to just hand deliver there food to them because we were like we were yeah. I mean, they were like our support you know right. they might as well have had snow days you know, were the best accounts. oh so, I yeah. they all came over on snow days and yeah. just like city living last. yeah and it definitely went you know we when we opened Japan's like combining a ramen house with a cocktail bar and you know doing it in that space, that way, thank God we had Swatch Room, Maggie, and Warren. Yeah, and like to, Maggie was to, just right, um, like a half a block down in her mm-hmm. studio. She lived, yeah, they lived across the street. Their studio was on the same street. Swan lived across like, yeah. on the other corner. Like, so mm-hmm. they, this was also like an investment for we them. We were so lucky. Because they though. wanted something in the neighborhood. So we kind of like, it was definitely a collaboration. You know, mm-hmm. Maggie and Warren definitely did not charge us enough for putting up with what they had well, they had brought a whole league. Over. That was back when Swatch was like, they brought a whole league of artists, artists to like paint sorry. our walls instead yeah. of putting up and painting everything. I mean, wow. the motif but that's on when the bar she, was This is Maggie O'Neill. I mean, yeah. this yeah. is when she is also percolating, right? 100%. And she is just, now she's Maggie O'Neill. And right, then, you right. know, having a piece of art yeah. is totally different or having her yeah. in your restaurant is totally right. different. So, was, I mean, right place, right time. It yeah. was great to be like, take this brand new building and make it look like you're stepping into the old world, like mm-hmm. into a black and white film. But like we have all the modern a- amenities of a, of a new building, like an like elevator. The glass, right. the elevator. Right. And like, so it was Which like, was it was perfect for, you know, for like the face of the business and then to function. Cause without an elevator, I don't know how we could run a hot ramen up and down the no. floors. Right. Like, right. Like okay. So then how did you guys fall into the defunct Shabiju? So we had been talking for a while about doing a sushi, a Zeppelin concept first. Mike and I and my dad initially about a it long was going to go on top of Chaplin's, mm-hmm. which is what we and it was really meant wanted. to be like symbolic, like a Zeppelin floating above, above Chaplin's Chaps, during yeah. the okay. same era kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we but, just like the people that opened after Chabiju closed, French Quarterie, French Quarter Brasserie opened. And, okay, what did that? That was like thirty seconds. It was not very long, but it was long enough for the GM and the people that work there and the owners of that space, French Quarter, to come over a lot and started talking about how they wanted to sell and like and how much money they wanted. And we fell in stuff. love with that building. We like, loved the space. It was an amazing we, space. We were just like, we were, we were some, it, We are constantly going back to all the new Walking owners, down the street. Like, checking it out. Street, like, mm-hmm. like, we really it was wanted ongoing. It. And we yeah. had been, we had been a lot of developers that we had met with out in Mosaic and all over the city that we're at looking at us coming to like the wharf and blah, blah, blah. And we would do the drive and we'd see how challenging it would be for us to be involved. Like we're involved in our places and be driving all over the city and like a blah, show. Blah, blah. Right. Yeah. You know, and we just didn't, we just didn't see that for ourselves. We wanted to be still behind our own bars and on our floors. And we all like, the time. like the neighborhood kind of like aspect of Shaw and mm-hmm. like mixed with the, high density buildings. Yeah, and it's, and it's like so residential. Like yeah. the residential side of it is what we've always wanted. We've always wanted to be neighborhood neighborhood places. We've wanted to see the same people over and over again. We've wanted to make an impact in an area that is underserved in certain areas. And we had, you know, five years of asking our regulars at Chaplains, 
what else they wanted in this in this area. And right. We sushi. got a resounding yeah with sushi. Yeah, like, and Everybody we were initially we were afraid like we were going to cannibalize our clientele by opening a Big block time. away. That was and like so a like huge concern. We tried to do things too differently at Zeppelin in the beginning, and then we realized like the 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 cuisine is so different and mm-hmm. like we're we're not gonna we just need to remember who we are that we're that we're just an, a, a fun neighborhood gathering and that's casual and approachable and like yeah we're gonna oh, serve the best product we can at like the best price yeah, but not only that by the time you guys opened up zeppelins and since that opening i mean the residential spring up had blossomed, around you yeah. i mean you've really got like blossomed, all those apartment sure. buildings absolutely uh, i mean i think hotel. i think the challenges still are though like you know in dc going through this whole evolution of you know the like you know revitalizing and developing etc there's all of these neighborhoods that never existed right, right? yeah and so you're so you are spreading out a population that used to only have like you know three to four areas and now have I mean, I don't even know the names of some of the neighborhoods now. No, I'm no, like, no. I mean, like, we've, it, no, no, no. I mean, like, listen, when I first moved down here 30 years ago, it was, you know, Cap Hill, DuPont, Georgetown, Foggy Bottom, Adams Morgan. That was kind you of You know, weird. that was kind of it. Yeah, and yeah. now, you know, I remember the first time somebody told me about Ledroit. I was like, I know. where is that? Right. Or, or Shaw or Bloomingdale or Navy Yard right. or now it's Union Market District. You I mean, know? Columbia Heights emerged after a while. But like, right. there's so many areas that have evolved since then. And, you know, it's it's wonderful because for the residents and for the people surrounding D.C. that are coming into the city, they have more variety and they have all these cool areas and boroughs and stuff <laughs> like that where we never had before which really like despite the fact that it's spread out the population of diners and consumers whatever it's also added to the like intrigue of dc which well, is vibrant, what we want but right? honestly like, it adds to the vibrancy of the city because yeah, for sure. it's not just that they're opening up retail and and um restaurant Change. spaces they're right. also but they're bringing in residents. Right. People right. live here. They That's live right. in the city. Which so is wonderful. Every time they, you know, like the wharf is a great example. I mean, what's on the bottom of the wharf, the retail and restaurants and et cetera, are not necessarily for all the people who are living upstairs, yeah. right? The hotels and whatever, maybe more for the hotels. Mm-hmm. But to me, the wharf is a little touristy mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and the tourists are there and that's yeah. great. Like they built it for the right reason. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you think of Shaw, Shaw is really indicative of like a neighborhood in DC. Yeah. And even though they built some beautiful um, residential places, some gorgeous apartment buildings that, you know, that whatever you want to call the complex where uh, the giant is, yeah, the convivial is, but like it really is an incredible mixture of retail, restaurant, and residences, which is going to bring people here yeah, to absolutely. eat. Yeah, you yeah. know? So it's. Which has been super cool for us to be a part of because right? so many people like Chef Sajak of Convivial mm. and Eric and them are unconventional. And then, yeah, all and, you know, the way Michael down from Red Hat and Black all and these Alley people. And the like, speed of, like, they yeah. all used to come to Chaplains and they, you know, they saw the vibrance of, like, you know, what was happening on that corner and also up from the convention center. And, like, you know, they, some of them used to be our regulars and then would ask our, you know, ask us what we thought of the neighborhood or whatever. And some just, I don't know, had a great premonition and instinct right. about opening there, et cetera. But everyone has been collaborative in opening in our area. It hasn't been about competition. I mean, like, everyone was kind of, yeah, so. like I think really like everyone was waiting for Marriott to activate 
magistrate, yeah. right? They yeah. were just sitting on right. all that on all that real estate. Which honestly, the convention center, I mean, right? Yeah. And the, the convention, convention center, center supports RTA, a lot of people yeah. further down from us. We don't get as much. But um, it just yeah, made people walk down. They don't right. walk yeah. up right. as much. That's but right. But like you know, some of the bigger conventions we like Comic Con, we get flooded. Yeah, we get crossed for that. And it's awesome. They like ramen. Well, but then the price point of ramen. I mean, let's talk about. I mean, you're talking about the price point. You know, ramen is a specific price point. Yeah. So that is going to appeal to the certain masses. people. And we right? tried yeah. keeping it as what, what, like where we started at the same those price mm-hmm. points. And we've, you know, it's been a, the pandemic definitely hit and really affected the cost of goods, which really made, it you know, the price points challenging. And we still tried to keep things as like low as possible and competitive as possible for the people that we set out to serve, which is like the neighborhood and the industry. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the reason we serve so late, the reason we're there so late every night is also for all of our friends that serve and bartend. To get and off work and, and want to want to get cook. something that like that was like in the beginning for the first year and a half, like we were just staying open late for no reason. Yeah. Like we were just no keeping the kitchen open no matter until they started yeah, coming until, until they, they started, started coming like, realized that amount, they got out every day, no matter what and yeah. you know we never we're open 365 days a year at wow. both of our places and we don't close for holidays and we're open to last call every night at Chaplin's that'll never change that's mm-hmm. just it's just kind of, part yeah, of who we are and really, it's not always economically amazing now but it's, our partner, it's really. identity but it is working for you oh absolutely yeah, okay I mean, so now that you have these two places you also have gone off in your separate directions. Mm-hmm. Was that a difficult conversation for the two of you to like be like, listen, we have this partnership and we're doing these things, but hey, man, I want to go and do. I think X it's just kind y. of like organically kind yeah. of happened, and like I think it's healthy for us to yeah. kind of like to explore like our own options or other options. We had to grow up a little. Yeah, we kind of like we can't like be like. Uh, we can't like be uh, best friends, roommates, and business partners, our wives like, and, and brothers for forever, like, right? Without like it getting in the way of like our marriages or relationships. Yeah. I don't know. I think that and just growing. I mean, I think yeah. like as we've gotten a little older, like to be honest, we never had a conversation. Yeah, we never. Because there really was never had. really something. That, well, who like, did something on their own first? Was it you or you? I don't know. Actually, uh, it was kind of similar. Kind timing. of similar timing. Like, yeah, like we, like, were, Micah was starting to work on his consulting stuff mm-hmm. at uh, like another hotel, and we were starting to look at the Makoto space on MacArthur, and with our chef Ogawa from Zeppelin, right? And you know, like you know, for that space, it was very much about like you know a very small, very little niche omakase tasting menu spot there wasn't really a lot of beverage involved and it was in my neighborhood and i also i know how micah feels about the suburbs it's yeah not really his jam so i mean i love palisades i mean that is still the city i just want yeah. to say <laughs> it's really nice uh, i've heard i've heard some of our guests from hailing from like columbia heights have referred to uh, palisades as the boonies which i was like okay oh. seriously no it's not that's ridiculous <laughs> The, they're just trying to get under your skin. <laughs> they're just trying to be a hip city dweller. Right, exactly. No, I totally get that. Okay, so you went that route, but you sort of, you were doing more consulting. 
Yeah. Because like just, you worked with your wife at yours truly. Yeah, like we did that as like kind of a a test um, to see like how compatible we were like mm-hmm. in this under the same roof uh, when under pressure. Sure. And uh, I mean, I work with my husband. I know. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but that went really well. Like that was just amazing in the beginning. Like working with all these talented bakers, like Camilla and from Pluma, and mm. uh, like just like all Johanna's entire team uh, at Mercy Me was just a, really a lot of fun. And that's where I found uh, I met Hunter Douglas, who I started Boom Daddy Hospitality with, okay. and um, and then just kind of met Ian White and grew that and in them under. Uh, on the Mercy Me project and then kind of like started doing our own thing mm-hmm. uh, and outside of Chaplin's and Zeppelin uh, just because, uh, yeah, I'm not like one of those people that enjoys uh, just like doing the same thing. Routines kind mm-hmm. of uh, make me feel, I will always want to be like progressing and well, you have to doing something new. And, uh, you know, the, we had a lot of interest in, Duplicating chaplains and Zeppelin multiple, I mean, a uh, lot. I'm sure everybody has knocked on your doors. Do, we weren't sure that that's who we wanted to be. You know, we, a lot of people like call chaplains their first date, their first, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, they got married from meeting there and they, whatever. And it's, it's like nostalgic and special. And it's like, you know, doing another one, we feel like detracts from that. And so, we were, it was kind of like only natural for us to start doing things outside of that. And we also are still like, that's still our home base. I mean, Micah's still yeah, there right. all the time. Yeah, I'm still there all the time. And, you know, we branch out and do these other things, but like those, are our, main, those are our main, those are our main, you know, that's like, like they will always be focus, our fo- primary yeah. focus just because yeah. that's where we started. Really. Well, I love that. And I would, I really, I'm thrilled to hear that you're not thinking of trying to replicate especially chaplains and even zeppelins because they're so unique Yeah, and you know, it, it would lose its lot. Like I don't need a chaplain someplace else. Right. Like I would rather you do a different concept. Exactly. And that's sort of how I know. That's for, how we feel. Too. I know yeah. why people do do that. Yeah. I understand the ease. If you have a machine and it makes yeah, money and you're like, I can it. pop it here and it yeah. makes sense. Exactly. But even Steven star, like, listen, park in New York is a, I mean, in Philly is incredible. It's very low diplomat. They're yeah. the same, but he did enough. Enough tweaking. little tweaking yeah. to make Le Dip Feel more like, DC. Right, right. Not right, like right. he just took the same concept right. and plot it someplace right. else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, which I think really says a lot about like, you know, understanding a neighborhood and mm-hmm. reading totally. the, the reading the the clientele, like the people you're catering to. Because you're you let's face it, like we all pick our borough because we like we all have different tastes and interests, and that's the beauty of DC now it's like you have this whole spectrum of mm-hmm. you know of I mean it's so diverse now yeah That's what I love about but we are also a very finicky DC is a finicky dining mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> consumer yeah. they're educated they have mm-hmm. money yeah not all of them but a lot of people or they put their money towards their dining and they are educated about food and food quality um, and we don't I. I'm very interested to see with some of the things that are coming in the pike that are opening up here um, that are not unique for DC, whether or not they thrive and survive, because you've seen, we've seen lots of big names come down here, 
open up these concepts that don't speak to the community, yeah. and then they don't last. Yeah, right. So, and I'm not wishing ill will on anyone. I'm, no, the more you bring not. in, the better. I'm right. here for it. Um, but I'm very interested to see. So, show's got to wrap up at some point. Let's just talk about quickly, like what's down the pike for you guys, either together or separately, in the next year or two. Yeah. Well, How I'm, many more children? Uh, wifey wants another or two. I'm okay. going with no more. Yeah. You have um, three? We have three, yeah. yeah. That's good. Three's a good number. And Micah and Johanna have one. And yeah. I think they're I think one we're, and done. We're, we're, we're good right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think we're... Well, he's we're, how old is he? Is he three? Yeah. I think one is great. Like, I think we're really happy with him. Well, you can go over there. They're cousins, That's right? right? They do. It's it. enough. It's enough. He, they bring, um, and so, yeah, I think uh, from like a professional standpoint, Mike and I probably wind up doing stuff together again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, small things that like we passion projects that we've talked about for 20 years now. And, you know, getting back together on some things and, you know, he will do other things, I'm sure. And, you know, we are focused on our project on MacArthur currently. And then my wife and I are doing a place in Georgetown. It'll open pretty soon, but really more focused for her. Mm -hmm. um, Can you just tell us quickly about this? Yeah, doing? it's called Le Bon Bosch. It's the good cow. And it's um, like a little bistro, French bistro burger mm. spot in um, Georgetown <laughs> where the old booty monger used to be. Fantastic. And what are we thinking? Like Chill. we're hoping we'd love to be open for Bastille Day, but we'll oh, see. Okay, but great. that's that's aggressive. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and you? Um, yeah, like I, you know, I think Ari and I, like he said, have some still some really great ideas and some things to do. Uh, but uh, in the immediate, like I, Johanna, my wife, and I have been working on something special. It's on the horizon um, mm -hmm. that I can't wait to. Talk to you about at dinner tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I'm going to love Mikado tonight. Yeah. All right, lastly, before we wrap up, I just want to bring this up because I was doing some research on you guys. Not like I don't know about you, but I found an article that Holly Simmons did with you when you opened up Chaplains, mm -hmm. and she asked you some really random questions. Um, one of the questions was, what's something you're bad at? And you said, relationships. Mm -hmm. And you said, day jobs uh, so yeah. how would you be bad at that if you never had one um well, we used to not wait it just didn't there. yeah it just <laughs> didn't sound really appealing so it, it's just something i i knew i never wanted okay she asked you who would you play in a movie do you remember who do you all right so Did who would you play in a movie Val now no words. you said val kilmer oh wow <laughs> uh, maybe gary oldman or daniel day lewis no you said keep your sutherland Wow, wow. Look at you, man. That seems like I you feel like would say that. Switched. Yeah, she I switched. Yeah, I think she switched it. We know each other sure. too well. All right, we'll call Holly on the line. I'm going to do that no a lot. There's yeah. That's hilarious. Val Kilmer definitely That's is me. Dude, Lost Boys and the Doors. Yeah, that was like our jam back in the day. Okay, who's the concert pianist? Micah. Yeah, yeah. And violinist? Me. Yeah. And do you still play? Um, I do, yeah. I've been like playing with uh, my son, Luca. Yeah. And you? I wish. I okay. have no idea. You let it go. I, there's no way I can still play. Okay. Um, prize possession. Let's do prize possession then and prize possession oh my today. Gosh. Then? Maybe like our, our, our bikes? Like we used to ride <laughs> everywhere, dude. Got we didn't so have much back then. Like, yeah, we were. I mean, Chaplin was definitely... 
our prize our possession prize match. Our prize possession match. But that, okay. was, that was our chat. Was this before? No, it's when it was opening. Yeah, 2014. That was, that was like, we went all in on that. That I'm was like sure everything was, we had. I'm sure we said something ridiculous. No, I think what you said was interesting. You said my creativity. Uh, okay. And you said our family and our relationship. Great. Those are pretty That's dope. Out of all our answers, That's I like That's much better ones. than a play, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Way better. Um, and the last question was, what would you do with an extra hour a day? So let's do then and now. Okay. Then you said sleep. Yeah. And you said you were working on your relationships. Clearly, That's dude, terrible. you had some things going on for yeah. you. Um, what about today? What would you do with an extra hour today? I'd definitely probably spend a little bit more time with honestly with like I I don't see Micah very often mm-hmm. or Luca, which would be nice. We both work a lot. So we don't really spend that much time together anymore. That would probably be it or with my kids mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I mean similar answer as well. Family for yeah. sure. I think it's like, you know, I think number one, uh, because it's like it grounds us and makes us feel yeah. uh you know, just it makes it all worth it, I think. Yeah. I love that. All right. Well, can we tell everybody where to find you, either on Insta or online? Where do you want people to find you guys? Um, I mean, yeah, Chaplin, Chaplin, DC, Chaplin, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Capo, DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Love Makoto, Lardente, all, right. all Look unconventional. Up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's we run a circuit. Yeah. All right. Well, everything you heard here today, you can find on the listareyouwanted.com. Of course, if you follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and on YouTube, please subscribe. You can find all that there. You can see every show that I've done here at The Wine Lair on YouTube. And of course, you can download it on all podcast sites. I want to thank you guys. It's so good catching up with you. Thank you for you joining That's me really today. Nice. Yeah. And thank you for joining me today. Um, Be safe out there and have a delicious week. Produced by HeartCast Media.